When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy New Year, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 173 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, we put the final nail in 2019's coffin by reflecting on the season and looking ahead to another long off-season. We also welcome our friend Ryan Wilkins back to the show. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo, whose meat can be found at Just Good Meats in Omaha, Leon's Gourmet Grocers in Lincoln, and now at several new spots across eastern Nebraska. Ooh. Stay tuned till the end to find out, Mike. It's a teaser. Go Big Red! Go Big Red! Mike, I was, uh, I was listening to this podcast episode from last year. Um, we talked with 601 about about last year's season. And it was so interesting to hear us talk about that 0-6 start and the 4-2 finish. And we were just so positive mm-hmm. about the direction things were going. And I'm not sure if I have that level of positivity for this conversation. I do not. But it's interesting that you even bring that up because when you consider our state of mind as the season wrapped up last year, you know, the the local media got a lot of guff the last couple of months for kind of hyping up Husker Nation to perhaps be a little overconfident heading into 2019. When you consider all of the variables, it, it is somewhat understandable that we expected a better start, you know, and and you could make the argument that, yes, we did have a better start. We did not start 0-6 this year. No, but true. The, the end result, I think we all expected to be a little bit better for 2019. And, you know, it wasn't just Husker Media. I feel like I spent an a unnecessary amount of time arguing with other fan bases on, on Twitter this year saying, we didn't hype this up. I feel like national commentators hyped us up. You know, people, you have the Big Ten tour come to town. You've got... People saying we're a dark horse for the college football playoff. I mean, everybody saw what Frost did at UCF going from year one to year two and um, and saw the trajectory we seemed to be on at the end of last season. And, and you're right. there was It was not inappropriate to think that there was going to be a big jump, just like people always talk. There's the biggest right. jump between game one and game two in a season. Maybe the biggest jump comes between season one and season two. So um, we had a lot, a lot coming back. And we all expected big things. And, you know, looking back, we started 3-1, and one, probably thought we should have won against Colorado, should have started 4-0. and oh. um, And then we got just buzzsawed by Ohio State. But I think we all recognized that that was a really good Ohio State team. Oh, yeah. And then things started to get a little bleak with eking out a win against ultimately a 3-9 and nine Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And then I think really the turning point was that loss at Minnesota where we just got run over. I mean, so at this point, 
we go with the loss, we go to four and three, and that sets us on. We're now in the midst of a four-game losing streak. So Minnesota, mm-hmm. Indiana, Purdue, Wisconsin. It's interesting that you point to Minnesota because even even Minnesota for me, I I wasn't quite there yet because Minnesota had a really good season too, and so once Indiana came to town, and we lost that game, that was when I was saying, oh boy. Oh boy! I mean, it was right around that time that you and I started using language like "must win" <laughs> when we were yeah. looking ahead to Purdue and Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, it, but it was—I mean, Minnesota was such an interesting team this year. When we were doing our preseason interviews, um, Ryan Burns was really high on Minnesota, and there was this quiet confidence. Um, you know, people have made fun of PJ Fleck for you know forever. And it got to the point where they're like, you know what? You should stop because he's more than just a used car salesman. And we're like, okay, well, you better show us. And uh, he did. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think he kind of proved his point this year. He made his case for sure. I, I have we, more respect for PJ Fleck right now than I did at the beginning of the season. That's for sure. Well, and, and the, other, the other problem when we played them, so this is game seven, um, they really had this slow, slowly, the degree of difficulty slowly picked up on their season. Um, and so we didn't know even at that point how, that this was going to be an 11-win team. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think based on how we felt about ourselves, uh, we didn't, after that point, we didn't, they, we could not with confidence say they had yet beat a good team. Because mm-hmm. we weren't a good team. <laughs> And then can we just take a minute because it's it's been it's been over a month. Iowa only beat us by 3 points. 3 points. Yeah. Think about all of the trash talk and all of the vitriol that we have seen from Iowa fans over the past month. It's We've unwarranted. <laughs> it's completely unwarranted. I mean like yes, they have the upper hand, but it's like you guys are better than what you're three points better than a team that is at the lowest point of their program's history, essentially. You know the the benefit of us waiting to do this episode until uh, bowl season's almost over is I was really uh, encouraged to see the performance of Big Ten West teams. I mean, Iowa won won well. It was a good win. Uh, Minnesota took it to Auburn. Wisconsin, you know, arguably should have won their game against um, Oregon. I mean, that's a couple of 10 wins and an 11-win team. Mm-hmm. That's a couple of 10 wins and 11-win team at the top of our division. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was it was a 5-7 and seven season, which was, I guess, one game's worth of improvement. And there was some real disappointment, I'd say, particularly in run defense and um, red zone offense and most of special teams mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know it's not a terrible division it's not I think it's a way better division than when we started in the Big Ten and uh, and so you know we're losing narrowly the, the only blowout well the only blowout was Iowa Ohio State Minnesota you know we lost um, what was it like uh, 34 to 7 and um, we were we were in that it was only like 14-0 at halftime. We were in that, and I think things just kind of snowballed a little bit. 
So, I mean, you could call it a blowout, and it was a pretty dominating victory. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think that's it. I, I think there is a difference between a dominant victory and just getting completely run over. You know, we like, weren't we weren't shellacked from the word yeah, go they like we were with Ohio State. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so all that to say, you know, it's it's a good division. Um, it's not as bad as we thought, and I feel like that five and seven. We are just so close. I think I said this in the last few episodes of the season. I think we're just so close. And the margin for error is so small in the Big Ten and, you know, Power 5 football in general um, that I think we're going to get there. We just haven't yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, because look at this season. This is another one of those years where you look back over the losses and what we've got, like, four or five games that are seven points or less, right? Like, not to make this team sound better than they are, but... You know, theoretically, if Nebraska can improve overall from this year to next year, there's going to – I mean, we're talking about the difference between one or two plays. I mean, in some games, we're talking about the difference between tackling a guy on a kickoff <laughs> or, or not being the difference well, in the score, right? I mean, you look you look at Colorado and you think, A, that's that crazy free flea flicker, and B – the kicking situation for us was mm-hmm. a mess at that yeah. point. We still, I mean, we really never figured out until maybe the very last couple of games. Um, and so with a healthy kicker, one guy that can do it, that game is a W. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I don't feel like that's a stretch. And then you look at, um, oh, you look at Iowa. If if Adrian Martinez has a situational awareness to, let, to not go out of bounds, we're, you know, we're going into overtime Instead of giving Nate Stanley the opportunity to get them in a field goal range, I don't, you know, I don't know what happens necessarily, but I like our chances in overtime at home, playing for a bowl game. Um, Indiana, I don't know. Honestly, the Indiana games and the Purdue games, it's like the midst of frustration. We're going, we're lo- that's in the middle of that four game losing streak, and I don't even remember the <laughs> Purdue game very well at this point, to be honest. I'm, I'm with you. Mostly, I, I remember Indiana fan and athletic uh, 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 AD tears at this point. Right oh, right, yeah. Well, Indiana, they their season came to a bitter end, so I'm okay with it. I don't know if you saw that, but they yeah, I did. They messed up. <laughs> they should have been ready for that onside kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started making a list earlier today of just bizarre things that happened this season that I feel like are unusual in a decade of football or even like a quarter century of football <laughs> and and I feel like so one first one's not funny at all Jovan DeWitt who organizes special teams had cancer in the mm, offseason right and so you had uh, graduate assistants and everybody else kind of pitching in to throw together special teams maybe that's maybe I don't know how much of a role that plays in the disaster that was special teams this year but I'm sure it was part of it yeah yeah and you know um, you can't you can't blame him for it, but you, no, you right. can question, you know, the decision making on maybe they should have brought somebody in temporarily. I don't know how all the hiring stuff goes with college football, but you you imagine that in the same way that a player might be able to get some kind of a medical red shirt if you have a coach with a medical issue. Can't you bring somebody in while he's gone? I don't know. Well, I just think I just think that was way more of a significant issue than we realized. Coupled with uh, all these kicking injuries, Barrett Pickering was was injured, and I don't even remember who his backup was supposed to be. But that guy was injured too at, mm-hmm. during the 
during the Colorado game at that point. Like, both of them <laughs> were hurt. I am now... I'm being transported back in my mind to sitting in your backyard looking over the depth chart before the season begins, wondering who are who all these people are. <laughs> like, mm. who is this guy? I don't know who's, ba- who's backing up Pickering. But, yeah. But eating our Central Nebraska Buffalo ribeyes. That Indeed. Was a, that was a nice night. Um, you know, as I watched bowl games this year, uh, especially like the New Year's Six, I really noticed – A, most of those kickoffs went into the end zone, and Mm -hmm. B, nobody returned the ball from the end zone. Like, nobody did it. They just took the 25 yards, and I feel like you never knew what our guys were going to do. Were they going to run it out? Were they going to catch it at the five and take a knee? Were they going to go for it? And I I think our starting field position was terrible this year. I don't know. I don't have a number in front of me. But, um, you know, that's one thing where when you have a special teams coordinator, uh, MIA, you just don't, you have total inconsistency. Mm-hmm. So, so that those are a couple of crazy things that happen on special teams. Offensively, you had the mysterious uh, Armstrong or uh, Martinez injury, and I'm assuming it was an injury. We don't even know, but or I think we we now know there was some injury. We don't know what it was. Um, so you have that, and then you have his regression. Yeah. Um, that was really do bizarre. We, do we have any kind of official confirmation on the injury, or is it just all the reporters and everybody like in class with him saying, yep, he was in a sling, so we know for sure something happened? No, I think after the Iowa game, Frost said he had had surgery. Okay, he did? Okay. Or he, I can't remember. Or he had, had, or he had been nicked up. or one, mm-hmm. you know, so he, he basically confirmed that there was an injury, but he didn't say what it was. Do you think uh, th- this comes back to – our discussion of Frost being tight-lipped about injuries, do you think that there might have been more leniency for Martinez during the season if we knew for sure that there was an ongoing injury? Or do you think that would have just added fuel to the fire with people saying, oh, you got to put in McCaffrey? I think that's a great question. I think that's something – I don't know. I think that's something Frost needs to reevaluate in the offseason. Like, does this secrecy – help me or does it make my life more miserable does it make adrian's life miserable because i mean he had a i think he had a tough time not even like between the numbers i'm talking about like in his everyday life with people Mm. like saying what's wrong with you why are you so bad which is terrible and totally inappropriate and it should not be the case but you know it's the world we live in yeah Um, but i mean like as a as a fan there were times where it was just confusing during the season Watching his play, as you said, there was a a marked regression this year in in his performance. And I don't know. I just think about, like, man, in hindsight, that makes sense, knowing that he was injured. Now I'm like, oh, okay, well, hopefully he can get better for next year. Well, we we assumed he was injured. We just never knew for sure, and we don't know what it was that he think he – I remember talking about he had a strap on his bicep that a a friend told me is – part of your shoulder support, so maybe it was a shoulder injury. I don't know. So continuing with my list of bizarre things that happened this year, Mm -hmm. the whole, all the Mo Washington crap, I mean, I don't even know when that really started. That was in the offseason, though, wasn't it? Yes, no, it it was. It absolutely was because even after, I think even during the first game, you had people who didn't even care about Nebraska football felt like it was their turn to chime in about him starting, you know. I guess they, what, did they wait until the second half of the first game? Something like that. I don't That's know. right. Yeah. So I mean, there was there was the you know the the legal issue in California, but even on top of that, he had you know 
I'm trying to think of how much to talk about here because we don't like to dig into stuff. But he had, he's off the team now. Mm-hmm. He had a variety of legal issues and penalty issues and struggled to be on time to team meetings. And um, he was brought in to be a dynamic player, and he certainly was. But um, kind of felt like at the end the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. So he's gone. That was a, a shadow over the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another crazy thing was just the new center like surprise we're gonna have a brand new person play center that was hurt uh most of the time that he was practicing <laughs> until like the last week of practice yeah. but he's so good we're gonna put him in <laughs> and the first couple weeks like he was they were all over the place it settled down but that was a bizarre thing yeah we got our first uh swear from martinez during a press conference over that issue <laughs> yeah who gives a what <gasps> oh He's just following in his coach's footsteps, cursing at the radio interviewers on the sideline. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a brief list of kind of some bizarre things that happened this year. I'm sure there were more. Um, I couldn't really think of any defensive crazy things. Or Deontay Williams got hurt the first like quarter of the first game, and he was going to be a starting safety for us. And I think that threw us for a loop. Um, you know, it would be good to have him for an extra year, but... Oh yeah, I I don't know, I don't actually don't remember what the players were, but there were those two players that were dismissed before the season ever began. Oh yeah, that's, that's another that's crazy thing that happened. Katerian or Katerian Lagrone, and then um, I can't remember the other guy. I mean, that's just now being adjudicated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some they were not doing good things, and uh, so that yeah. I, I saw a stat that now that Maurice Washington is off the team, all nine of the wide receivers and running backs that Frost brought in his first offseason um, are now gone. They've all they've all left the program. Wow. So, you know, he threw together some stuff, <laughs> and he he coached that he coached in that bowl game, uh, which you know at the time I think we all thought was awesome and. I still think it was a cool thing to do because oh, it shows yeah. how committed he was to those guys. But um, that first class, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that first class has suffered. Mm-hmm. But as we talked about in the very last episode, it's uh, three three consecutive top 20 classes by Frost. So he's doing something right. There's a ton of guys redshirted this year. Maybe, maybe if they knew how bad the season was going to be, um, they would have handled some of the redshirts differently. But uh, it is what it is. And there's going to be a whole new wave of, of linemen coming up on both sides of the ball. They've gone and got a bunch of JUCOs to make some immediate impact on the front seven of the defense. I mean, I don't think I'm as positive about next season as I was last year about this season. But, you know, I'm hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, all bad. I really feel like it's reasonable as a fan to expect a bowl game in 2020. I, I think oh, that yeah. should be a baseline. Like, let's get to bowl eligibility. Anything beyond that, uh, I'm going to hope for. But I feel like that that's at least a – I feel like in year three under Scott Frost, that should be an expectation is that we have a at least 500 record going into the bowl game. Yeah, no, I think that's totally – Totally fair, and I'm not even I'm not looking at the season, or you know I'm not looking at next year's uh, schedule. I know it's tough; it's going to be a tough schedule. Um, but you feel like 500 is is a baseline. And, yeah, and um, I don't want to I don't want to get too far into next season, but you do know what our first game is, right? 
It's Purdue with mm-hmm. Bob Diaco as defensive coordinator. <laughs> oh, I want to make sure we at least talked about that on this episode. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk to Mike Carmen from the Journal and Courier um, out in West Lafayette, who we've talked to for a number of years now. Um, I just can't wait. I kind of want to like, I just want to text him every day. Like, what's, going, what's happening now? What's happening now? See, like, if, is it crazy? see if he can see through the, the smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I think the crazy thing about that guy is he's been successful everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. he's consistently been successful except for here. And there is, you know, a whole host of things. Um, and it's kind of remarkable, too, when you think about a guy like that who's had a pretty solid rise and it has been successful. And then you look at Frost, who's had a great rise and has been successful until he got here. And you think, what's going What is it about this place? Mm-hmm. Like, what? How bad? How bad did things get in the Riley era? I mean, did we really pull the rug out from under Mike when he was on the cusp of something great, and then we, you know, it all fell apart? I mean, I don't think so. But like, why? Why is it so hard here? Why do we have to suffer so much? Right. The 2010s were where coaching resumes went to die at Nebraska. Mm. <laughs> mm. Indeed. Indeed. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's a new decade. Perfect time to to start with a winning record and go from there. I agree. Mike, I always enjoy talking to you about Nebraska football, um, but it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of fun to get extra additional perspectives for for some of these big picture shows. Mm -hmm. And when we started off the season, we had our friend Ryan Wilkins on the show. Uh, Ryan, among other things, was a male cheerleader. And so we had him tell us about what that meant. Um, to be bringing male cheerleaders back, but also uh, get his take on the season. So um, we're going to have Ryan back on the show here to kind of bookend the season and get his thoughts uh, on what went down. So let's uh, let's go get him. All right. Well, we've got Ryan here. Ryan Wilkins, welcome back to the Husker Football Fan Podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. So when we had you on the show for our preseason prediction oh, show, yeah, we were all pretty, we were all pretty positive, and I, I don't remember exactly what your picks were, but I think it was ten and two. Does that sound right? Oh gosh, I hoped it was ten and three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either way, wow. Um, well, yeah, I think that Mike might have had a similar. Um, yeah, I, might have been... I was, I was right there with you, man. So don't worry about it. Um, so, uh, what, what do you think happened? What do you make of this season? I, more times than you would believe, I have thought of it, made like a conscious decision not to go back and listen to it again. Because like, <laughs> I, I, first, I hate the sound of my voice. But second, like, I hate finding myself wrong. Uh, so I'll, I'll bet there have been 30 times, mostly randomly while mowing my lawn, uh, like in the late summer, early fall, that I'm like, wow, how did that, how did that even happen? Mm. And I think it's a couple things. I, I I think it's two things more than anything. One is just the whole the whole frost phenomenon. You know, like what just seeing what he did at UCF and leaving that here he is in you know even a better platform, better facilities, better um, you know almost everything all on the line other than talent in your backyard. Just believing like hey, if if he had a turnaround like zero and twelve to twelve and zero there, you know, think of what he could do here. And then that combined with, you know, some just national 
and definitely local, but, but also national uh, hype, you know, and, and I think all of us, you know, when we're, we're not actually our day to day is not uh, analyzing, uh, watching, predicting, you know, the, the success of, of football teams, you know, we have a, a pretty natural way of just reading what we can and uh, buying in for better or for worse. And there was a lot of like legitimate hype around the program, you know, all, all the way up to uh, people who have had pretty good success at ESPN predicting uh, outcomes. And I think it was just hard not to be pretty excited. I mean, heck, <laughs> Adrian uh, was, you know, the the third most likely uh, Heisman contender going into the season. And that's, it's hard to like, you know, think about things like that and, and not get pretty pumped and, and really believe. Uh, so yeah, it, really did not go well in terms of what went wrong. Uh, I think time, I think uh, the size of the big 10 is really hard a couple years. And I also think that there's a mental, like emotional to winning that we don't say that, but other, uh, I, I can't really say why. So let me give you one little example. I growing up was actually a pretty good pitcher. Um, when it didn't matter at all, when I was just hanging out, throwing, I, w- I was pretty strong. Uh, nice. But, but I had a way of when it mattered, of just completely bombing. And, and, there, <laughs> and, and, and I just told myself something in my head like, oh, no, this is important. Now you will suck. <laughs> and, and it happened every dang time. Like, I, I'm telling you, I, I remember times where I was starting in a in a time where at least for my team and I might, I might've been 13 years old, but uh, it mattered and I knew it and I felt it and I would walk four guys and then the fifth guy would hit a home run. It's like, wow, you know, how did that even happen? And then I, and then the game was already in hand and we had already lost and then I would strike out the next nine guys. Mm. And, 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 and it was like, I can do it. I know I can do it, but here I am playing on my heels here. I am, you know, worrying, here I am believing that the worst will happen rather than the best will happen. And now I suck. And I, I really feel a version of that happening on the field most Saturdays still for the Huskers. And, and that's the best way I can explain mm. when we talk about culture and what's working, what's not working, the, the right guys getting in the right mindset creeping in. It, it, it takes time. It takes commitment. It takes continuity among coaching and eventually among players. And, there really is a mental aspect to sports. You, you, there's no other way to explain it. How else do you explain Stephen F. Austin beating Duke? You can't. Mm. It's not. It's not talent. It's 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 not coaching. It's just uh, you know lining up and and giving it a go. And then sometimes it happens. And right now we are just a team that finds a way to lose. And we have been for the better part of I don't know, coming up on twenty years. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 but, but it doesn't have to be that way. I, I mean, it doesn't have to be all the pressures on every game or of every snap. Um, it, you know, we, we can be, you know, look, you, you look at, look at what Minnesota did in a couple of years. Uh, I mean, do we, do we think that Minnesota has uh, structural uh, capabilities that Nebraska doesn't have or talent, uh, you know, edge on Nebraska? No, of course not. You know, look at programs like Boise State, which are, consistently good consistently ranked or about ranked do we think that we can't be that of course not it it just takes time it takes patience and it takes like just letting 
the the coaching staff and the players breathe and supporting them unconditionally and and just without any expectation without any pretense just hoping and believing that in time it'll be better and i think it will uh but man this year it really <laughs> really wasn't <laughs> it's it's so interesting i i think that's a really great way of putting it ryan and it's so interesting how how culture like the culture conversation came up after it kind of dominated the last half or much of last season i thought that we were done talking about culture but yeah then all of a sudden the losses start piling up and you got people want to point to something. And so that whole conversation um, reemerged and, and maybe appropriately so. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's what I don't know. I, I, I believe there's a version of culture, which is a scapegoat. I, I think there's, mm. I, I think there, there are times when um, look, the outcome is surprising. The outcome is bad and we can't point to anything definitively. So we th- say things like culture. And, and I think that that's a possibility. I also think it's a possibility that that's absolutely true. And I, I, I'm not inside the program, so I don't know. I think that the coaching staff right now has, uh, they, they've had, I think they've probably had a little bit of a, a, a difficult time because as you come in and, and about half your roster are, it consists of guys you've, you've recruited, about half of them doesn't. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's definitely possible that um, they have tensions like talent versus culture and they don't know which to pick i mean you're talking apples and oranges i mean think a guy like maurice washington who uh, as as far as i can tell was pretty poisonous to the to the the, you know to the culture to the um to the type of program that they were trying to build but he's immensely talented and and has been since the day he showed up and and will be you know the day he enters the portal if he didn't today and I think it's genuinely difficult for as a coaching staff to know, you know, are these the kind of guys we want to go to bat for and keep around uh, because they're so, you know, objectively awesome that they can help us, they can make the difference in games, or are we going to keep them around and, and possibly uh, change for the worse the, you know, the, the, the culture of the program that we're trying to create? I think it's a tough call. I, I, yeah. I don't have the answer. Well, on the, the day we stop talking about culture is probably the day we – have a winning record <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and then the article is culture is good next subject did you see how many touchdown passes you threw <laughs> right right well it's it is interesting that that you touch on culture just because i think back to earlier in the season when the when that subject started to come back into into the spotlight i remember justin saying i i, I don't want to talk about this i thought we were over it but when you think about it uh, I mean, Frost himself, he's been pretty tight-lipped about a lot of things, but that's something where he consistently comes back to saying, like, hey, we need the guys we need guys to decide they're on this team or not. We need guys to buy in. Um, I, I know you guys remember hearing, what was it, Bill Moose was talking about all the trash mm-hmm. on the plane when he first mm. came in. and um, It's funny to me because Ryan... Ryan brings that up, and he's talking about, like, oh, I don't know if it's been the last. And then there was that pause. I was thinking he was going to say, okay, so was it, like, five years, the last ten mm-hmm. years? And then you say 20. I'm like, man, has have we developed unwittingly a losing culture at Nebraska uh, mm-hmm. in such a way that it's kind of poisoned the well and, and people locally don't even realize it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So... Um, so in 2001, uh, 
so quick background uh, that, that, that colors my thoughts on this is the student president at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, you're, you're part of the Board of Regents, but you also get to go to the bowl game uh, wherever the Huskers go. And whatever the, the, the quality of the bowl is determines the purse that the university gets, which in turn determines how great of a trip this is. So in 2001, Nebraska went to the Rose Bowl. And the student president at the time, a really great guy named Nathan, uh, got to fly there on a jet, got to bring uh, a friend of his choice and stayed at the Beverly Hills Hilton uh, for seven days and all expenses were paid. And that was awesome. And we got trounced by Miami that year. Uh, was there, uh, but I, <laughs> I drove there <laughs> with a couple of friends. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so... The next year was 2002, and I was the student president, and Nebraska went 6-6 six and six and played in uh, the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. And if I wanted to go, I would have to take a jet on Christmas morning and stay at the Holiday Inn, and I decided not to. <laughs> uh, so, that, so that colors my view on this, but in my view, we've been in a pretty consistent decline mm. since, at least, since at least 2000. I mean, we... we snuck into the Rose Bowl in 2001 uh, because uh, a bunch of really good teams ahead of us lost. Uh, but but we, I mean, we, we, we've had shades of decent but have found a way to lose um, against all expectations for the better part of 20 years. And it's still weird to me even right now to think that, um, you know, the 2001 Rose Bowl was almost 20 years ago, but but it was. Yeah. And and I think so. I, I, I think you can have a culture of winning, and I think you can have a culture of losing. And I think most of that starts at the top, but some of that is even creeps in through fan expectations. And um, I think early on, we were losing the talent gap, and we were getting beat because we were out-talented. And these days, there might be a still a, a lingering effect of that, but I think more often now, um, it's it's in the mind. I think we're we're getting more and more uh, talented and capable people. I, I don't think Wisconsin's players, Minnesota's players, Iowa's players are any better than ours. I think they're better coached, and I think they uh, get onto a field because of the coach uh, with the expectation that they're going to beat the other team. And I don't think we have that yet. And I think that that Frost and the staff deserves four or five years before we start questioning their ability to deliver that. Well said. I think that that's a great moment to transition to Husker superlatives, unless anybody objects. Mm -mm. Okay. So I've got uh, a handful of, of questions here, multiple choice. Um, you guys pick what you think. I'll tell you what I think, and then I'll tell you what Twitter thinks and uh, we'll work through these pretty quickly. So uh, the first one, offensive MVP. Also, if you, if there's an option that you think should be included here, but isn't, you can always suggest it. So offensive MVP, Dedrick Mills, J.D. Spielman, Wandale Robinson, Adrian Martinez. Mike, what do you got? Can I pick two? <laughs> sure. I would I would have uh, Mills and Robinson sharing that load because I feel like without their one-two punch, we don't have an offense this season. Um, it, you saw a lot of it early with Robinson, and then Mills kind of picked up the slack later on in the season. So th those two for me. Sure. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'd go with Wandale. Uh, I, I, I think it's a really fair point um, that you made there, Mike. But I, I also really think that the offensive line's improvements over the second half had a lot to do with um, Dedrick's improvements. But mm. I, I, I think there were 
I think there are probably two games. I, as bad as this season was, I think we'd lose two more games if Wandale's not in it. Mm. Certainly the Illinois game. Uh, but I think I think Wandale would be my offensive MVP. And the poor guy. I mean, we just used him to excess, and then he was beat up. And, oh, man. And he, and he was out the last few games. Um, I, I would also say Wandale, um, and he has 73.9% of the vote. <laughs> there you go. Defensive MVP options are Mo Berry, Lamar Jackson, Darian Daniels, Khalil Davis. Ryan, what, how about you go first? Huh. Um, I'll pick what I don't think will be a popular pick, but I'll, I'll say Darian Daniels. Uh, he, I, he, there, there were a few tackles for loss that I felt made the difference in a couple games that that went our way, and I also feel like he, a, a lot of the time, a lot of the credit that the other players got for sack or for uh, an interception were indirectly caused by Darian plugging the middle or creating pressure, even if he didn't get any stats to show for it. So that was a long-winded way of saying I'd, I'd say Darian Daniels. How about you, Mike? Well, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll raise my hand and say I am not a defensive-minded person. Um, so I'm just going to go with the guy that you know I've been kind of harping on for the last couple of years. I think I just – Lamar Jackson for me, Lamar, his, yeah. his, uh, he is the player that we want to see play for Scott Frost. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of become the archetype of the guy who gets over all of his baggage and starts playing lights out. Um, so he he gets my vote, and it's purely based on emotion. Great <laughs> pick. That's fair. Uh, I I would go with Darian Daniels as well. I think uh, a massive, quick nose tackle. Um, makes everybody else look better, kind of like Ryan said. And um, as as poor as we handled the run game this year, I just think it was it would have been that much worse without him. So I, I would go Darian Daniels as well. Um, currently, Lamar Jackson has fifty nine percent of the vote, and Darian has twenty seven. Oh wow, that's actually surprising to me, even cool. though he got my vote. <laughs> All right, special teams MVP. I've got Isaac Armstrong, J.D. Spielman, Chase Urbach, and other – Urbach, excuse me. Sorry, Chase. I'll go first. Uh, I picked Chase um, in a season defined by special teams ineptitude. Chase was always on target with his snaps. He was always the first one down the field covering on punt, uh, punt team. And, you know, there was so much badness, but he was always on target. So I vote Chase. How about you, Mike? I'm going to go with that, too. Uh, here at the Husker Pod, we are uh, the official Chase Urbach fan club. Actually, unofficial. But, um, yeah, in, in a season marked by unpredictability, he was the one uh, the one consistent player on special teams. So I'll, right. start, with the, I'll start with an apology because I don't remember his name. But who, who, who was the kid who he was out of uh, Kearney or Grand Island? Who blocked a punt? Like I, I think I want to say he blocked two punts. Is that Chase or is that a different guy entirely? No, that's a different guy. I'm gonna look him up before the end of this, but that's that's my that's my vote. I, I think it was a brutal, brutal year for special teams. I think that yeah, whether it's like poor coaching or just not having enough talent to fill that that gap, uh, I, I I I think it was such a terrible part of the team the, the team this year but yeah i won and it was hey is it too late to nominate barrett pickering soft tissue injury for uh, person of the year on <laughs> special teams because that is so confusing and uh so 
important to this year. Uh, but I'm going to look up. I'm going to figure out who that kid was. Because yeah, there go was for a, it. There was a walk-on. I, I don't know if he was a walk-on or not. Was it Stalburn? Yeah, I think that's right. Who is now in the transfer portal. I think he's going to South Dakota State. Okay, I want to confirm this, but there's there's somebody there's a kid out of Carney uh, or Grand Island who I thought blocked two punts, and that's who okay. I nominate. Well, uh, Twitter currently has picked Chase Urbach with fifty percent of the votes. Okay. Other and JD Spielman are tied with nineteen, and then Isaac Armstrong has eleven. Okay. Newcomer of the year: Wandale Robinson, Luke McCaffrey, Conavai Noah, Darian Daniels. Mike, I'll start with you. I think I'm going to go with the crowd on this one. It's got to be Luke. <laughs> All right. Ryan? Yeah. I mean, so I took the LSAT about 13 years ago, and I'd always start by knocking off the two that were clearly not the answer. And that that's, uh, well, maybe not as easy this year. Uh, but I think it's clearly between Wandale and Luke. And, uh, gosh, I think it has to be Wandale because of his actual contributions. Even though, yeah, even that. though Luke's captured the, the the imagination and the excitement, I think there's plenty of legitimate, uh, not just interest, but but hope for for Luke. Uh, but for for what they brought to the team this year, I think it's I think you got to pick Wandale here. That's smart. I'm, would, I'm almost going with Luke based on what I think he could do next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a vote for the future. Sure mm-hmm. enough. Well, he only played in four games, right? Yeah. Although it yeah. feels like Wandale only played in four games. When you think about it, it really took up until yeah. the Illinois game for him to take off, and then um, he missed the last couple. Uh, I would yeah. also vote Wandale, and so have 85% of voters on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke and Darian are both tied with 7%. Mm-hmm. Best moment, Illinois comeback, walk-on kicker, field goal uh, to beat Northwestern. Dominating Maryland or having game day in Lincoln, Ryan? What do you think? Oh gosh, I will say the Illinois comeback. Uh, and to me, it's close. Uh, to me, it's because that was an outcome that felt like it mattered. It was still early enough sure. that the whole season was in front of us, and that felt like such an important comeback win. I, I remember being on my couch and being like, "Oh crap!" You know, like if we lose to Illinois. You know, who knows what happens? It could actually go the way it actually went. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, definitely game day, in a, you know, hosting Ohio State was super exciting. But, I mean, it, there, there was still so much in front of us at that point, And Ohio State helped uh, relieve us of our disillusion so much mm. that, that day that it's hard for me to pick that. So I would say that, that the Illinois game, it actually turned into a, a quality win. Like, you know, Illinois played, unlike us, played in a bowl game this year. And that was on the road. Showed a lot of heart, a lot of talent, uh, especially from the offense side, which we didn't see a lot of this year. So for me, it, it was the Illinois comeback. Yeah, I think that was actually our best win of the season, if you look at records of the people we beat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike, how about you? Illinois comeback, uh, that field goal to beat Northwestern, the Maryland game, or game day here in Lincoln? Uh, I'm just going to stick with the the one that does not get my vote, and that's game day in Lincoln. I was very Mm -hmm. vocal early on that I thought that that was premature and it was going to make us look bad. So uh, I guess I pick A, B, and C. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wow. I don't think that's a traditional uh, multiple choice answer, but we'll go with it. Um, I really like what Ryan said about Illinois, um, but just to – to be different, I'll say the uh, having the walk-on kick that field goal to beat Northwestern. I was, was sitting cool. 
right in the south end zone, right where he kicked it. And like, I knew that it went in right away, but then I remember Mike, you were freaking out because you thought he missed it. Mm-hmm. That was blocked. And then the replay showed how narrowly that wow. squeaked through. <laughs> and I remember everybody like piled up. I mean, this is game six, and we had had so many field goal problems. And for it to come down, and I can't even remember which of the six kickers it was that made that one. Um, <laughs> but that was uh, as bad as Northwestern ended up being. I mean, that was a really exciting, uh, maybe the most memorable moment for me for the season. And, I love and the uh, right I love now the, the kicker took off after it. I, lo- yeah. I love the way he <laughs> j- just sprinted away as if we just won the Orange Bowl. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and then I remember Adam Rittenberg, who happens to be a Northwestern alum, um, on ESPN was criticizing us, and then everybody was like, "You're a jerk." And then the next day, he's like, "You know what? I didn't understand the context. I take it back." Yep, that's right. Uh, right now, uh, the Illinois, or excuse me, the Northwestern game and the Maryland game are both tied for first place. Oh, oh wow! wow. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, the worst moment: uh, Colorado overtime loss, Ohio State ruining game day, Minnesota running success. Uh, Keith Duncan, field goal, and kisses. Um, Mike, do you want to pick one? Yeah. Um, despite my disdain for game day coming to Lincoln, um, I'm not going to pick that for this one. I'm going to say the the field goal and smooching after the Iowa game. I just – it's one of those things where your hatred for – the position we're in boils over, but there's nothing you could do about it. Like they won fair and square. They've had Nebraska's number for several years. We just got to wait until we're good again, man. Ryan, what about you? I want to take a different position, but I totally agree with Mike. (laughs) You know, we had, we had, there were so many things going on there. The three things in my mind for the Iowa game is one, it's, it feels so great to beat Iowa Two, That would have made us bowl eligible. And three, it, it would validate the feeling that I have that, that we're not that far away. You know, mm-hmm. like a couple things could go a different way in a different game. But like when you look at the way that I was smacked around USC and you see like that's a quality team and we, we, we can beat them. We absolutely can beat them. And for the second year in a row, for them to finish it off and kick that field goal and make us bowl ineligible and beat us, it, it, that was just brutal. That, yeah. To me, that to, there, there, there are some very good candidates in this category, sadly. But <laughs> uh, to, to me, that was the hardest. You know, I've one maybe silver lining on that is that I've I've read some have speculated that Keith Duncan's poor sportsmanship might have lost him the Lou Groza Award because you know, voters took that into account. Wow. Um, I mean, Rodrigo. Yeah, I'm sure they they took our tweet into account too, right, Justin? We really spoiled Probably, that for yeah. Him. Um, you know, I, I hear what you guys are saying, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, the Minnesota game just mm-hmm. because, uh, as Mike and I talked about before we had you on the line, Ryan, it was such, it was such a turning point. Mm-hmm. You know, we came back at Illinois, we got stomped by Ohio state and then we beat Northwestern. We're sitting at four and two. We're looking at Minnesota, Indiana, Purdue coming down the pike thinking, you know what? I, th- this this Big Ten West is still within our grasp. I think you know this could work out still, and yep. it just went south so badly. Yep. Um, and I, I I don't know that the team recovered psychologically. I think that's um, fair, Justin. And 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 like a, a kind of a side a subplot to that whole thing. It's like 
Minnesota is who we wanted to be this year. PJ Fleck mm-hmm. is, is who we wanted Frost to, to lead us to, you know, like this year, you know, and, and, and to, to, to realize that we're not that, that team and they are that team. And, and also like what we want to keep believing is just that we're building, you know, even if it's not fast, even if it's not the way we want it, we're building, but to know that we beat them last year and then they trounced us this year, it kind of feels like, you know, where are we going? Are they going forward and we're going backward? Who knows? Yeah. yeah I, I think that's fair, Justin. I think that's a really good, really good pick too. Thank you. So I only put these polls up about 90 minutes ago, um, but this po- this particular poll has gotten the most votes, and the number one choice is actually the Colorado loss with 51% of the votes. Mm, wow. Um, mm. Keith, uh, Keith Duncan field goal and kisses 35, and then Minnesota and Ohio State are both tied at about 7%. So, uh, Again, it, it, that's kind of it, interesting. It's like m- losing uh, best motion picture in the year that – you know, Rocky won it. It's like, mm. you know, it, it's, it, that's unfortunately a, a very uh, strong category. <laughs> yeah. A competitive field. Yeah. Um, and here, here's the last one. Things you'll remember most from this season, injured kickers, Colorado hate, Indiana's hurt feelings or frost hates hoodies. Ryan, how about you? <laughs> mm. I got, I got to say it's the kicker thing. I, 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 I you know, it, part of it's our, understandable tight lips about injury part of it is just that we've been so spoiled for so long as huskers for having good kickers like oh, reliable so kickers i mean it's crazy at one point there were i realized that there were like four active nfl kickers that were husker alums which is just nuts because most of them played for three or four years uh but yeah i, I was just totally floored as, as a fan to see us totally incapable of, of consistently kicking a field goal this year. And it cost us a few games. So that's the thing that I'll remember this year. How about you, Mike? I'm in the same boat. I'm I, all the other choices for me. They strike me as kind of isolated incidents. The, the injured kickers was something that plagued us for the entire season. Yeah. Hopefully it's a generational thing that never happens again in our lifetime. <laughs> I suppose I I'll just say injured kickers as well. Although I, I really hope that Indiana's hurt feelings like is something we joke about for the next 50 <laughs> years because I think it's really funny. <laughs> um, uh, Twitter has chosen injured kickers as well, 50%. The next popular was actually Colorado hate and then Frost hates hoodies and then Indiana's hurt feelings. So, oh, okay. All right. So that are, those are the Husker superlatives for 2019. Mike, you need to make some sort of like song for it. Beep, 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 beep. Superlative. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Ryan, um, I don't know. Any last words? Guys, uh, we, we need patience. We need, we need uh, to just drop whatever we think we, we deserve or believe because we were alive in the 90s and just say, what if we're just fans? What if we just support our team no matter what? We support our coaches, including our coaches' ability to employ the coaches who they think are best. And just let it go from there. And we're joyful if we win. It hurts a little if we lose, but we don't get negative on, on young men, on our coaches, or anything like that. I, I, I really think that our worst enemy right now is the expectation and the pressure that it puts on the program. And it won't get any better next year. Like I, I don't know if you guys covered this already, but we're going to play six teams next year who are among the top 18 in the country to finish this year. Uh, a third of the best programs in the country are, are on our schedule next year. So we probably won't 
look a ton better. We, 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 it may be. I mean, if we qualify for a bowl next year, that'd be amazing. That'd be a, a miracle. But I need, I'm going to stop predicting 10 and 2. I'm going to stop expecting, uh, you know, fast, uh, great turnarounds. And I'm just going to keep you know, supporting the program and trying to uh, stomp out negativity around it because more churn and more uncertainty for our coaches, for the players who are playing for these coaches is not the answer. It's just uh, we, we, we need time and we need uh, to just uh, have patience and, and unequivocal and unconditional support for these guys. I mean, it was a seven-year contract for a reason. It's been renewed. It's a, a, a new seven-year contract, basically. So yeah, it's probably going to take. It's, it's a great point, Ryan. And I think uh, I think Mike and I have taken that to heart, and hopefully our listeners do as well. And hopefully when we do our season preview episode in September, we're not uh, we're not drunk on Kool Aid saying. <laughs> It's a national championship. Oh, I'll, I'll probably be predicting 10 and two still, but you know, <laughs> but that's part of, that's part of my way of exercising my fandom. Like I'm going to support this team and ahead of the season, I'm not going to pick them to have a losing record. You know, I, that's just not me. So, well, hopefully what happens is there's a huge course correction by, by us, by the whole national media and people pick us at like six and six, seven and six. And then we do go. Yeah. You know, have a 10 11 win season and mm-hmm. but we're permanently pessimistic and find more joy in our life <laughs> well you know it's it's harder to surprise people when they're picking you as a you know national contender so yeah Absolutely. that's true and, and the only other piece i'd mentioned is just to remember the just remember the young talent in this program i mean we've had a couple uh, i think we're going to wrap up our second straight at least second straight top 20 ish recruiting third straight third straight third straight you know, I mean, I, I think something like 20 or 21 of the 25 recruits last year redshirted this year. Like that, that means something like we have to mm. give, uh, we have to get, give these guys time to just show themselves and show what they can do. And, uh, that doesn't mean that the people who we have on the roster stink. It just means that, uh, this is a, this is a process. And I don't think that Frost was brought on to, uh, you know, win, win the national championship in a couple of years. I think he was brought on to be our long-term uh, solution. We need to give him the time and grace to do that. Well said. Well, uh, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for uh, being a, a helpful bookend at both ends of the season. And uh, we'll have to have you on the show again. It's been fun. You bet, guys. Thanks for hosting the pod. I really like it. All right. Good night. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks to Mr. Wilkins for joining us on the podcast. Always good to have his take. I think that was some, I don't know, I think with us being the Husker football fan podcast it was nice hearing those closing remarks for him i think it was a good way to kind of center us as we look towards the winter of our discontent as we wait mm. for next fall the, s- the second consecutive winter of our discontent yeah. maybe it's the 10th i don't know it's just always uh discontented but although, although this year this year we get the xfl after the super bowl so you know well. whoa hey if if i'm snowed in on like february 20th and there's nothing else on, I'm going to be happy that the XFL is a thing. <laughs> I will say this about the winter. Uh, the winter of 2019-20, it has not been nearly as bad as last year. In fact, it's actually been really nice. Yeah. And I have been able to run more in the last month than I did, I feel like, all of last winter. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's even better than advertised. Man, they were talking like... Is going to be bad. Anyway, hey, uh, so you, at the top of the episode, you teased that uh, there's some 
Something moving and shaking below our feet, and it ain't just the buffalo running around. <laughs> nice transition. That Mike. was bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, no, that rumbling is not just the buffalo or your tummy. Um, it's uh, no. I was, I was texting with Kendra uh, from Central Nebraska Buffalo earlier this week, and was excited to learn that uh, their bison meat is actually being featured at a few restaurants um, in Omaha and also a, a store here in Lincoln. So if you are in the Benson area and you're a fan of 1912 or Benson Brewery, you can um, have bison burgers and tenderloins from Central Nebraska Buffalo. Apparently they, they put them on special periodically. So if you're, if you're visiting Benson Brewery or 1912, um, sometime soon just ask if they have any Central Nebraska Buffalo. And then also Block 16 downtown Omaha uh, is featuring Buffalo Burgers on on special from Central Nebraska Buffalo. So those are some yeah, um, I mean those are some great spots to yeah. eat. I know Block 16 is a place my brother likes to eat quite a bit. So maybe I'll have to convince him that we're going to get together for lunch sometime soon. Also, they are still in Twisted Cork and Monarch Prime and Bar in Omaha. So I I don't remember exactly what they have there. I think they had some steaks at Monarch. Um, so there's a lot of spots in town. Uh, Kendra and company are, are doing a good job spreading the word. Um, if you're here in Lincoln um, and you're down at the Shields in their little jerky corner, they have all kinds of jerkies. They have some jerky from Central Nebraska Buffalo. So lots of options. Sounds like Omaha and Lincoln are slowly going the way of the Buffalo. hey I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? I'm okay. Of course, uh, as we set up top, you can always go pick up some Central Nebraska Buffalo at Just Good Meats in Omaha, Leon's Gourmet Grocers in Lincoln, and the Hy-Vee in Grand Island. Sweet! Well, hey, Justin, it has been a pleasure uh, talking Nebraska football with you for five years straight. We have just completed season five of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. Can you believe it? I don't know. I might try to do one or two more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> one or but two more before before we we'll call, close the book. We'll okay. call them bonus episodes. Sure. How about that? Sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. We're not officially kicking off season six until we start talking about spring practice. So. Yeah, but I kind of feel like the February signing date is really it. And who knows? There's probably not going to be much to talk about between now and then. <sighs> See, this is what I mean when I'm talking about winter of discontent. Yeah. Now it's going to be like, uh, I mean, Twitter's already awful with like all this basketball content. And I don't know. Every year I tell myself I'm going to care about baseball again. And then I'm like, there's like 100 plus games. What? I can't do this. <laughs> so much work to be a fan of this. Yeah. Well, yeah, stay tuned. We'll, we might have a few things coming down in the next couple months, but uh, definitely the next major uh, focus will be spring ball and we'll officially start season six. That's crazy, man. It'll be good though. It's been it's been good so far, despite all the uh, <laughs> despite all the bickering. <laughs> <laughs> you know that reminds me, Michael. Mm. We have a practice of reading uh, five star reviews. Mm-hmm. We haven't, we haven't done that for a while because people give us the star ranking, but not necessarily say nice things. Well, we had some people say nice things. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's read those. 
First, Josh402 says, great Husker podcast. I love the interactions between the hosts. They have great chemistry and can tell they really get along great. The content is great, and I appreciate the statistics they incorporate. The sound quality is consistently good, so it makes for an easy listen. Definitely recommended. Go Big Red. Thank you, Josh. Josh is one of uh, my favorite people to interact with on Twitter. I actually know who he is. Sometimes it's hard to tell who these people are, but really appreciate uh, the kind words, Josh. Next, we have uh, Enjoyable and Insightful from Town Moron. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'll take it. (laughs) He says, fans discussing Nebraska football. I'm stuck in California most of the year, and it's podcasts like this that help me feel connected to Nebraska and the Huskers. This podcast is one more part of what makes NU's fan base the best in college football. Awesome. Thank you, sir. And then... Thanks, moron. (laughs) Frost Warning said, great show just yesterday. These guys do a great job breaking down Husker football. Every show is so good. Only complaint is the offseason when there are fewer shows. Go Big Red. Well, we were just saying well, we would do fewer. Yeah, I just want to say to folks, though, you, you got to stay subscribed. I know sometimes it's, it's tempting to just forget about Husker football for six months. But the thing is, is when there is something to talk about, we're going to break in. That's what we do. I mean, like, not like breaking and entering. We don't commit crimes. But we will release a podcast episode if there's anything related to football. Uh, you can rest assured that we're going to be chatting about it. So um, we are not a podcast that takes months and months off. Um, we're we're going to have a slow trickle here between now and, oh, I don't know, probably leading up to the, the spring game. And then you'll probably see a little bit more consistent from us from there on out. And, hey, uh... Mr. or Ms. Frost Warning and Town Moron, if you want to let us know who you are via social media or email, uh, we'd love to send you a thank you. Awesome. All right, Justin. I think there's only thing one left to say. I think there's only one thing left to say. I might leave that in. <laughs> okay. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska.